Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast for this week, and uh, it's our podcast on Palindrome Day. So uh, we were just talking about this off air. I don't know what pan, Panindrome is. <laughs> Parallel. So reads, reads the same in both directions. So twenty second of the second twenty two reads the same both ways. So the next time it will be this date oh. is going to be two thousand two hundred twenty two, the year two 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 two. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't prepared for that question. Well, I'll come back to you on that one. That'll be a lot of twos, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, welcome to our podcast on the twenty second of February, twenty two. And nice. uh, we're following on from uh, Dave's preach on Sunday on um, one Thessalonians four, and the two main topics there were uh, sex and work. So I can't complain that you gave me a difficult topic there, Dave, because you gave yourself a difficult topic. Yeah, um, but I, much appreciated. And I suppose what we need to be clear on is that. I made my bed and had to lie in it. So, like, I was the one who chose to do this coming back from holiday. So, exactly. if anyone's... So, your fault. Yeah, if anyone was thinking, Matt's not really me. cruel. Yeah. You know, like, not you, should, you should think, no, Matt is not cruel. You should think, Dave is stupid. That's well, probably the way. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is sometimes cruel, but not on this occasion. It was just, that's just down to you. Dave so, is always stupid. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, let, let's dive in uh, before the mutual insults continue. Um, so, uh here's a few Dave all the quotes I, I love quoting you back to to you when we do the podcast he said people say the Bible's irrelevant I don't know what they're talking about uh, and, and then a little bit later on you said I love this illustration there will never be a system update on the Bible so I, I love that wholeheartedly agree with that but I can hear I'm going to be doing a fair bit of this today I'm afraid sort of devil's advocate yeah, objection fine. type questions but I can hear the potential objection to that one when you say that the Bible doesn't need an update and it's always relevant. It uh, can't possibly speak in a relevant way to every generation, can it? Surely, as the world changes, as time goes on, God's word becomes less relevant to some degree, surely? Yeah, good question. Um, even as I said, that sort of system update, I feel bad for my wife at times because like, literally things are just happening in her everyday life and she's now like, when is this going to end up in a sermon? <laughs> a walking catalogue of my life's events. Um, so I suppose your question ultimately comes down to what our understanding of the Bible is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Is it really the word of God, the voice of the creator communicating to the world, or is it not? Because if it is the voice of the creator of the universe, like he has filled the Bible with timeless truths, inspired instructions. I mean, even I imagine if you spoke to Paul and you said, you know, in, 2000 years time people are going to be you know driving like i don't know motorized chariots i don't think you even know what motorized is but like i suppose he might be like oh wow that's amazing but i suppose it's the word of god so that doesn't surprise him mm. um and i think as we saw on sunday morning the bible always speaks into areas that human beings will always struggle with or face you know yeah. sex work death raising children singleness pride money and so on um i think the proof is in the pudding in some ways that the bible's been around for countless years through all the twists and turns of history so humans will always be sinful so the bible will always be relevant so yeah. even if you know there's in a thought well in the year 2222 if there's flying laser cars you know, I, yeah, I don't know, but you know, what I mean, the like the human heart will be unchanged. We'll still struggle with sin yeah, and yeah, still absolutely. need a savior. Yeah. Is the answer I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's kind of there's a theological level, isn't it? All scripture is God breathed, so it is always relevant. But yeah. also that the big issues that humankind face, that sinners face, don't basically yeah. change, do they? Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um. Sorry, I know this is side point, Matt, but like on a Sunday, people should listen to the sermon because it's the word of God being preached. But it's our responsibility as preachers throughout the times to present. Mm what the bible says in a compelling way that's relevant to life today mm. so i suppose like if the bible becomes irrelevant in a culture mm. it's probably because the preaching yeah is failing not the the words yeah. that's a good point is it because we, we don't make it relevant but it's, it's our job to to show how it's relevant yeah exactly people see that yeah good good point okay um so que- sanctification question now yeah um that inevitably comes up in Thessalonians because Paul actually uses the word. You said it was a bit of jargon, but I think you explained that well. Yeah. You said sanctification is being set apart for God, being distinct, becoming more like Jesus, and the, the phrase I particularly love, being prepared for paradise. So, again, let me just say I love that phrase, but being devil's advocate. If we are totally justified when we come to faith, if we're forgiven all our sins, pronounced not guilty, yeah, aren't we ready for paradise already? And if we are, um, why is it important for us to grow in holiness and become more like Jesus? Um, good question. Uh, I think just to clarify, the reason why I gave so many different sort of explanations of it is that um, I need you want to speak to the teenager, yeah. to the new convert, to someone who's never been to church before to, to sort of paint the picture. Um, so that's why. I keep going on that. That's just a, a habit of mine. Um, I think for your question, why is it important to grow in holiness? The verse from Hebrews is really helpful. Um, Matt's loving Hebrews at the moment. Yeah. Um, Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one mm-hmm. will see the Lord. Yeah. Um, so to sort of expand on that, in the case of the thief on the cross, that saint was justified by faith, immediately prepared for paradise, and that's where he went. Mm. But this verse in Hebrew says that if you live a life where you're not being more sanctified, you will not see the Lord. So I think, mm. you know, what I was saying there is for someone who's a Christian who thinks once saved, always saved, you know, they made a decision at youth camp when they're 11, or maybe in particular my church background back home, you know, they're baptized as a baby. So, you know, that means they're going to heaven. Well, no, they need to live in obedience to Christ's commands, the instructions that he's given them. You know, it's sort of the message of the book of James. You show you're justified. You're, you show that you're going to paradise by living in right. light of that. Yeah, um, right. It's yeah. that, what's that saying? Like, you won't enjoy heaven if you've lived like hell. Yeah. That sounds really nasty, but it's true. <laughs> No, I think I, I like the way you put that right at the end there. You show you are justified by living in light of the fact you're justified. Yeah. yeah we're, um, we're justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. That's one of the other phrases that comes up yeah. regularly, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah that, that, that's helpful. And, and also, I suppose, with a lot of these questions, I was thinking as you were answering that, it's, it's also because th- this is the way that God does things. This is the yeah. way he sees fit to do things. He wants to, although we're justified, he wants to grow us in holiness, making us look more like his son before we get to glory. You know, it's there's that brings him glory, doesn't it? Yeah, it does bring us joy. Yeah, it's not like 
someone becomes Christian and then you get beamed up to heaven <laughs> straight away. We wish it was the case sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, good one. Thanks, Dave. Um, okay, so you made the point under your first heading, and your first heading was control your body. Yeah. That everyone here is a sexual sinner. I think I got everybody's attention. Um, <laughs> I think that was really important as we can tend to judge others too easily, can't we, and, and not examine our own hearts. Yeah, you know, We can sit there and think, oh, well, maybe the person over there might be uh, in an obvious sinfully sexual relationship, let's say. Yeah. I'm not. And the point is, no, we're all sexual sinners in some way. But what would you say to a person then who's listening to that and thought when they heard you say we're all sexual sinners, oh, well, if we're all sexual sinners, does it matter then? Does it matter much that I'm sinning, for example, by by sleeping around? Yeah. Um, This is going to sound initially really, really harsh. (laughs) Um, But in Matthew 5, where we find that sort of teaching on lusting in the heart and adultery, we also find the teaching on anger. And Jesus says, you know, anger is like murdering someone in your heart mm. and can you imagine if someone came up to you after church on sunday and said well like you get angry i murder people it's the same thing mm. it's the same difference like that you'd be like lock this guy up that's complete madness so you need to keep me right here because it's, it sounds like there's levels of sin but i think i think there is yeah in, yeah. in this in terms of like Lusting after someone in your heart, wrong, sinful, deserving of hell, but then to actively pursue that sin and then to do it with another person, mm. um, to sleep with someone else is is crossing a line. Yeah, It's defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit, living sacrifice. And, you know, I've said, even as I said that, Matt, I thought, oh, well, okay, I can watch porn then because that's not with another person. Yeah. No, that that is it in itself you're doing that with the person on the screen like that's a physical act that you've chosen to do so i think the sort of question that you pose the good devil's advocate question is well if i'm in trouble already might as well make (laughs) the most of it and i think it's completely forgetting the warnings that we see in scripture because yeah. paul says let, let us sin that grace may abound he says no no you can't think that way you you're cannot mental. think that way yeah yeah. You're mental. Yeah. yeah also the, i mean you've touched on something that comes up it's a perennial thing that comes up and christians debate it and argue about it well all sin is sin right well on one level yes all sin is sin any sin whatever it is condemns us to, to hell and we need saving from it yeah um it's all rebellion against god it all offends him. On the other hand, there's another sense, isn't there, which there are, sins are different. You telling someone a lie yeah. and murdering someone, they, they are not equal in the sense that one of them has far greater consequences for other people and on your relationship yeah. with the Lord, arguably. So yeah. in one sense, all sins are the same. In another sense, there are differences. Paul says, you know, if you've united, if you slept with a prostitute, you've united yourself with her. There's, there's a one flesh thing going on. It's, yeah. it's worse than other sins in a sense. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's both and, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think with sexual sin, I, I suppose we don't want to swing to the other direction and say it's no big deal, but we don't want to say this is the unforgivable sin, yeah. but we do want to really press home the seriousness of it. Yeah. And whilst Jesus' blood, well, as speaking to someone who has struggled in this area massively on this sort of like, porn stuff i suppose like jesus blood washes you clean yeah but there's consequences of the sin like it's just a fact um and it 
as speaking as someone who's struggled in that area, like there's grace, but you still you have to fight every day of your life yeah. against it. And it, that that's where we've got to be careful, isn't it? it? Yes, in some senses, some sins are worse than others. But once we get into a grading our sins and other people's sins, that's that's dodgy ground. And I yeah. think Christians have historically been bad on this, haven't they? That they were, for example, they'll highlight sexual sin, yeah. but then our sins of pride and anger. Um, gossip, we say oh, they're no big deal, yeah. but they're they're offensive to God, yeah. and all all sin is is deadly, isn't it? Yeah. Um, sorry, I took us off on a bit of a tangent there, but yeah, thanks for that answer. Um, you, you went on to say we live in a society completely saturated in sex, mm-hmm. um, and then you quoted John Piper: avoid as much as possible the sights and situations that arouse unfitting desire. Uh, you mentioned music, TV, mentioned an appropriate movie that, um, you know, you and Amy started to watch one and decided to stop. I thought that, that was really helpful. Any other tips on how we avoid situations and learn to control our desires? Yeah, I think I think that actually take time and think about these things is quite helpful. Start to actually recognize things that um, you struggle with. Um, so, like, the reason we turned off that movie was that I had said to Amy, like, whenever we watch a movie and these sorts of images are on it, it's, re- it's really bad for me and our relationship and my mind. So then we'd got 10 minutes into this film and she was like, you you can't be watching this. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I was like, do you know what? I, I didn't turn it off. You know, confession, I didn't turn it off. She yeah. said, I'm turning this off. Mm. So actually you need to talk to someone yeah. who, you know, who knows you really well to make that call sometimes because, you know, I'm I'm a weak sinner. Um so yeah, stop being passive basically. Um I don't I'm not I'm not saying, you know, we should become Amish and completely withdraw <laughs> from the world, but I suppose being more sensitive and thoughtful about what we're taking in. You know, if our kids see us watching some of these things, yeah. they they'll think oh this must be okay if i think that's a good yeah. that's a good litmus test isn't it yeah. if if you one of your mates or your kids were in the room would you be watching it yeah um that's a good test yeah it's the classic uh parents always walk in and you're watching a movie during the inappropriate scene <laughs> and you're like oh, sick. but like if you know that those sorts of images might be in the like imdb is really helpful the stuff mm. that you're going to look up yeah what's going to be in quite it. a bit yeah um so after reading this passage, it did make me think that I'm not that serious about sanctification and holiness because I'm not. Sometimes I'm just not actively killing this area of sin. Um, to go back to John Piper, I love, he has this acronym anthem oh, for, yeah, for fighting, yeah. fighting yeah, sexual good. immorality, which is avoid it. Like say no in your mind, say no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Then turn your mind to Jesus. Think about him on the cross and how he died for your sexual immorality. Mm. Hold the promises of God's word, you know, the power of a superior promise. Um, and then move. I I really like this, like do something different. Um, yeah. On the website, Desiring God, he has, you know, five minutes videos explaining each one. And actually that one move for me has been the most helpful. Oh, yeah. Like just go and do something. Like um, <laughs> Piper says it in one of his videos, he's like, paint a fence to the glory of God <laughs> rather than like being sexually immoral. And you're not like paint a fence. Yeah. That's not going to work for me really. Yeah. But as in like, sometimes <laughs> I take this is, good. this is yeah. tragic, but like, you know, take the bins out, wash the dishes, do something other than 
passively sitting and watching something. Yeah. That's not helpful. I, I find Piper really good on this stuff. And I think that's so important, isn't it? Because once you start negotiating the temptation, yeah. you've pretty much had it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's acting quickly, isn't it? Is is key. That's really helpful. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, you affirm that sex is a good gift from God. Really important to hear that. And that Paul was a single celibate man living yeah. a whole life. And of course, Jesus himself was. Yeah. Um, but again, I can hear the culture asking, uh, especially you know, this, the last decade or two, aren't single and celibate people missing out hugely? You know, can a single faithful Christian person really be fulfilled to the same degree as a married person? Mm. I think this is why we need the Bible's truth, isn't it? Because the culture does tell us that we're missing out. Mm. And sometimes we subconsciously affirm that culture within the church. But the Bible tells us that you know, whatever we may miss out on quote-unquote in this life it'll be worth it in the life to come mm. and that while we wait that god does provide everything we need to live a fulfilled life until we get to glory i think you know actually i find this helpful from c.s lewis he's talking about how you know in culture there's disproportionate like things are just blown out of proportion so he says yeah. there's nothing to be ashamed of in enjoying your food There would be everything to be ashamed of if half the world made food the main interest of their lives and spent their time looking at pictures of food and dribbling and smacking their lips. Mm. So like in our culture, we have made way too much of sex in that it's in so many areas of life Mm. that actually as Christians, we can say it's a really good thing, but we're making too much of it. We need to reorientate our understanding. But And, you know, the Bible does this by giving us people like, Paul, Jesus, Jeremiah, the prophetess, Anna, John the Baptist, lots of, you know, single godly people who have done, changed lives for the better. And you quite rightly, every time we've got to say, what's the Bible say? You think of Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, as he talks about the single, the the calling to a single lifestyle. He doesn't paint that as a second best, does he? Actually, in that passage, in context, he's painting it as the best. You know, this is not easy, but a, gloriously fulfilled life and we need to hear what the bible says don't we yeah um, yeah yeah okay you, you were clear that paul um is showing sexual immorality really is dangerous and you quoted verse six the lord will punish those who commit such sins and you said that eternity is at stake and you spoke of the danger of us cuddling people into hell you know some some uh, memorable phrases there you know, if we're silent about things that that's what we're doing eternity is at stake we're cuddling people into hell so here's my question. If this is a believer hearing this loving warning from the Lord, though, like the Thessalonians were, if it's a believer, mm. what does it look like when he punishes a believer, one of his children? So um, does he, in what sense does God punish his children? And, and might a real believer then be condemned to hell for such sin? Yeah, you better steer me in the right direction here if I'm going rogue. But <laughs> I think anything that the Lord does to us in this life, if we're his children, is discipline. It's not punishment. But if God is punishing someone for sin, I think in the context of the passage in the book, this is eternal punishment. And that means that they're not one of his children. Right, okay. Is is that fair? Because um, some of that really sobering stuff in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says on that last day, there will be people who say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, I I don't know you. Yeah. And I think, like, 
a real believer may be condemned to hell for such a sin because without holiness we won't see the lord is that fair so yeah well um i haven't done my prep on this one myself so you kind of caught me out there i guess i think commentators are probably good two ways on this don't they that when it's talking about the lord punishing all those who commit such sins you've either got to read that i mean that someone who's consistently sinning in that way is shown and not really a believer yeah that's their eternity could be at stake yeah or you've got to read that word punish in a slightly different way that it's not sort of judicial punishment from god it's, it's more a disciplining punishment for yeah. his children yeah um, and I, I, it's a difficult one because i guess you could read it either way but either way yeah it's showing the seriousness of sin and professing Christians shouldn't be playing around with it, should they? Yeah. I think on Sunday I said this is this is for people who are persistently, consistently saying they're Christian and living a life of sexual immorality. Yeah. You would say, Are you really yeah, exactly are you really a Christian? Yeah. So um whilst people may hear that and sound harsh because of what I felt the passage was saying. Mm. If we're not really clear and firm on this, we are. Well, I believe that, you know, when I stand before the Lord Jesus, I'll be like, Lord, I thought I was being faithful. I was warning people earnestly. I'm yeah. sorry if I got it wrong. Yeah. And I, I suppose my conscience is clear mm. on that matter yeah. because I believe it's about eternity. No, and I, th- I think, like I said, I hadn't given that p- those particular verses a lot of thought, but I think that makes a lot of sense what you're saying, that if, if someone's consistently committing those sins, yeah. you know, their hearts are being hardened, they're rejecting instruction from God, not just human instruction, then yeah. you've got to start asking the question, is this person really a believer? Because I would say I believe if someone is truly the Lord's, they can't ultimately lose their salvation. Yeah. But yes, someone living that way should be asking that question, am I, am I, am yeah. I truly his? Yeah. So again personal experience like there are there are times in my life when you know i would i would look at the things that i was watching or or doing you know privately looking at a screen and i'd be like am i am i a christian Mm. and i suppose the assurance that i had when reading some of these verses is that if i'm earnestly keep coming to the lord and saying i want to kill this can you help me yeah that's a sign of the spirit working within me mm. which what the passage talks about like the holy spirit that god gives us he helps us to fight if yeah. if, if i was doing this me like this does not matter at all it's no big deal mm. i think that's a sign that you're in a dodgy territory yeah yeah absolutely um, okay thanks dave um you encourage us that we have the spirit to help us you know we, we needed to hear that at the end of a passage like this and how serious yeah sexual sin is how we need to avoid it um and incidentally, I suppose we'd throw in, wouldn't we, off the back of what we were just saying, that, that you know, Christians can commit sexual sin, and it's a grievous thing. But when they, like you said, when they truly repent, there, there, is, there is forgiveness. There is fresh forgiveness there. Yeah. Um, but in our struggle against sin, we need the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit we've been given, verse 8, hmm. help us against temptation in these areas? Yeah, I think the Spirit does what he does in that he points us to Jesus. So... He gives us a desire to pray, to fight temptation. The Spirit gives us a desire to read God's word and to what well, to see our sin, mm. to see to see our sin and to see our Savior. He gives us the desire to confess sin to a brother or sister in Christ. I think some of the times when I told like a good friend or a youth leader or 
pastor, whoever it is, like confessing that sin takes the weight off your shoulder and you're like, gosh, I would not confess this sin that I'm so ashamed of unless I believe the promises of God yeah. that yeah. there is forgiveness. Because if the Spirit didn't work in me in that way, why would I ever risk jeopardizing my reputation, my identity, whatever? Mm. So the Spirit helps in that way. I think as well, there's times when scriptures are just brought to mind in the battle. So yeah. blessed are the pure in heart for they'll see God. That comes into your mind. I think, gosh, I want to see God, so I don't want to see this image in front of me. So as soon as there's some of the areas, encourages us to seek community, mm. pray, you know, the classic Sunday school answers in some ways. And we need to hear that, don't we? Because it, you, it's, I'm thinking of Romans 7, you know, that battle of a believer with indwelling sin and how powerful indwelling sin can be. Yeah. We need to be reminded we have supernatural help in this, don't we? Supernatural yeah. power. We really need to hear that. Yeah. You, you moved on to, um, I mean, I'm going to get to the work heading shortly. There's not much on that, but just finishing off on the, you know, um, uh, using our bodies the right way, that, that first main heading, um, you started to close by looking at verses 9 and 10 and talking about loving each other more and more. Mm. So if that's the Holy Spirit's help, how can we practically help each other in all this? You, you did mention a few things, but I, I wonder if a recap or a bit of an expand might be helpful. Yeah, I'm aware that we're running out of time on this recording. We've got like five minutes left. But um, I think part of it is like knowing one another more and more. So like knowing people people's struggles so then you can ask questions about mm. sanctification um and obviously i don't think everyone in the church i don't think should know your own really specific private personal struggle but yeah. i think there should be one or two people yeah, who know that yeah. sort of stuff so i think that's where you can love one another more and more is by being vulnerable enough to to say i'm really struggling in this area mm. can you keep me accountable and pray um i think you know, for me, the way you can love one another more and more is by doing something. So actively serve family, community, friends, by praying, by being active and not passive. That's mm -hmm. sort of idle hands are the devil's playthings. Because, yeah, if you're feeling tempted, this is classic me, like bake a lasagna for a family who needs food mm -hmm. because they're swamped. Like that's that's loving other people and selfishly it's protecting you from yeah. from sin well not selfishly but you know what i mean like it's yeah yeah it, that's good it's doing stuff hmm. by loving other people in some ways you're loving yourself because you're saving yourself from yeah. sin yeah that's good what do you reckon we've got time for one last quick question yeah we've got three minutes okay so um the, the work hard for the sake of others was your second heading you talked about how they were to make it their ambition to lead a quiet life. Yeah. And that sounds like an oxymoron, sounds like a contradiction. You mentioned living an ordinary, unseen, plodding life. Now, that doesn't, pardon the pun, that doesn't sound sexy. Um, <laughs> certainly sounds very countercultural. Could you say a bit more about what that might look like for bridge people to lead a quiet life in our very unquiet culture? Yeah. Um, I think I've read a book on words recently, which was very helpful. And I was struck by, you know, living a quiet life in our very unquiet culture probably looks like not gossiping or boasting about things. Yeah. You know, even in the church, sometimes we can use prayer requests as a way to gossip or boast. Mm. That's me reflecting on myself. You know, oh, I'm sharing this so that you can pray, but actually this is me 
getting <laughs> yeah. a chance to, yeah. you know. Um, I think being faithful in the little or seemingly unimportant things is a way to lead a quiet life, mm. raising kids, putting food on the table, paying your bills, etc. And being generous with what God has given us. Mm. Um, and I suppose being sacrificial, <laughs> being sacrificial in a quiet way is, you know, so countercultural, mm. is glorifying to God. And actually, you know, you doing that in a quiet way, people will notice. Actually, yeah, it's another proverb, isn't it? But like, let another praise you. Mm. So do something and let someone else thank you for it, rather than letting everyone else know about it. Because that's yeah. not a good, it's not a good deed, is it? If you're yeah. making sure everyone knows. No, I like it. I, I think I think that's a good way to leave it, isn't it? That as we go into another week, um, you know, we're called to live, um, live like Jesus, um, in quiet, unseen plodding lifestyles that, yeah. that bring him glory and bring us joy yeah um thanks dave nice um, we better wrap up there um yep. thanks for joining us uh, look forward to joining you next week yeah equip on sunday night yeah and lindsey brown preaching this coming sunday very nice bye-bye cheers